Hey, what's up? It's DeHuff. It's another episode of DeHuff Uncensored. Thank you guys so much for joining the podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. I want to say thanks so much to Blake Street Tavern, also Superbook Colorado, and of course Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton. Today's show, I'm I'm actually in the 103.5 The Fox Studios with a broadcast legend, is what he told me to say. Um <laughs> Uh, he, he a long journey in the broadcasting industry. What a lot of people don't realize is before he got into broadcasting, he was really gung ho on becoming a proctologist. One and only Brandon Cristal. Brandon, how are you? Hey, I like big butts, and I cannot lie. Bye-o. Uh <laughs> The only reason I couldn't have become a doctor, honestly, to Huff, is because I'm terrible at science and math. So oh while I could God, remember yeah. a lot of the stuff, and the Latin phrases wouldn't or Latin terminology probably wouldn't have bothered me. It was the medical part of being a doctor. I think my my bedside manner would have been okay, even though you've <laughs> what, seen no, me. It, you've seen it? me certainly be uh, fiery at times, but I think you'd be like, "You're fucked." Well, I could have delivered bad news. I think <laughs> in a mild mannered way. I, I might have said, "This isn't going to go great," but uh, hey, I'm here for you. <laughs> this is me. This would be me. You're 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 really jacked up. I'd be like. Uh, things might go well. So look, you, you have uh, you have how old are your kids now? Uh, soon to be ten and soon to be eight. Okay, so so ten and eight basically. There's a chance that one of them has said they want to be a doctor when they grow up, right? Maybe right. right. My my four year old wants to be a soccer player, doctor, fireman, mm-hmm. astronaut, garbage man. Wants to be all right. Five. So we'll see how that works out. But my my wife, who was pre med when she started school and, and still works in healthcare, but but not on the medical side per se, is certainly smart enough that if he gets some of those genes, great. If you and my dad is really good at math, even though me and my mom and sister are not. Uh, but I never once, like as a kid, I don't think I ever. I can't swear I never said it, but I was like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor someday. I I never thought that lawyer, sure maybe, uh, and certainly. I knew pretty early on that I wanted to work in and around sports. I thought I'd be a pro athlete, and then I quit growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not as fast as Trenton Holiday, uh, so or Wes Welker for that matter. Yeah, doctor wasn't high on the list, but working in what we do and getting to goof around, you know, I, I just finished our holiday card, and you'll be getting one in the mail, I'm sure by February. Uh, <laughs> you know, we got to wait till the ones get sent back. I'm like, oh, I'll just readdress that to Huff. <laughs> it, but you know, depending on the one you pick and the one we picked has like oh life updates, right? So talk about the kids, talk about this. Oh, and you guys do a whole spiel on on, on more it? blurb blurbs. The spiel feels a, like a lot. The the full page of every, this is hey, so and into this, 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 and so my wife, you know, said she's killing it in her career, and I said, and you know, and Brandon, age forty four, is still because you put the ages too, um, right. Still playing in the toy aisle of life because that's exactly what I do. It is serious to many people, and I don't want to say I don't take my job and career seriously. I try not to take myself too seriously most of the time. Right, and it, well, you can't in this industry. I see the people that, and I talk about that a lot on this podcast. The people that there's people that take it too seriously, and then what ends up happening? They they they're not very authentic as, as usually what happens. And I think if you overthink, you've never it, worked with anybody like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny because we, you and I worked together at the fan back in the day when it was really good, and now, as <laughs> you adding your commentary, I'm I'm not going to Brandon, comment. Don't I'm comment. Just gonna, I'm just gonna say what, nope. well, you can say. You said when it was really good. I'm not saying it's that's bad. That's implying that it's not. When we were there, we had some of the best times, and in fact, you and I worked together pretty quickly, at least. In stretches, I mean, if I can remember right, in the midday when I got to town, December of 06, mm-hmm. and it's really easy to remember, I got here on the 14th of December. On the 16th of December, there was a huge brawl in the garden and a couple of blizzards. Allen Iverson got traded here, and two weeks later, sadly, Darren Williams, one of the few athletes mm-hmm. I knew coming to town, was was murdered. And so it was a very memorable two weeks. But if I'm not mistaken, you were running the board with me as the producer of the Scott Now show, yes. from one to three, when I got here, that was my only job. That was You had a lot of jobs, but that was one of the ones you obviously had to be a part of. And I'll still say this, and I say it to Al, I say it to Scott, I'll say it to Dave Logan, I'll say it to Rick Lewis, to Mark Schler, to anyone that'll listen, Mike Evans, DMAC, whomever. When Al and Scotty were dialed in and rolling, it was the best 
radio show that Denver's ever had. I guess I can't speak to it compared to, say, Lewis and Floor Wax, because when they were in their heyday, I wasn't here. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was here for a, a good chunk of the end of their run together. Wasn't exactly the same show, but for what we do in terms of sports talk and guy talk and and not worrying about playing the next song or, or fitting everything in, when Scotty and Al were dialed in, and that wasn't every day, they'll both admit that, no. but on the days they were dialed in, it was the best show that Denver Radio has had in terms of sports talk, guy talk, probably ever. I get comments on that all the time. I loved Scott and Al. And what's crazy is, like you said, is it depended if they were dialed in or not. And and the sad thing is, is there's plenty of times where they weren't. Shoot, I, I always, I've shared this story plenty of times, the one time Alfred was running late. Hastings was doing something at uh, the Nuggets because they're covering a press conference. So Alfred knew that. Listen, I love Al, and Alfred would laugh his ass off because he probably doesn't remember, or he does, and he's just like, well, whatever. But Scott was running late. Everybody knew it. Alfred was supposed to come in and open the show, and the music's playing. Al's not there. (laughs) I look down in the parking lot. And there Alfred is, door wide open. You must not have been there. You must have been doing something, or you weren't there yet. But I looked down, his car door's open, and he's just sitting in his car. Swear to God, Brandon, he's licking a freaking ice cream cone. He's just taking his sweet-ass time. So I had to open the show. And especially back then, I was not comfortable doing that. And it's worth noting, if I'm not mistaken, Jim Rome led into right. led right into their show. So there wasn't a host sticking around to say, hey... Scotty's running late, Al's running late. There wasn't anybody to say, we need you to carry over. There wasn't even necessarily an update person that was ready to go. No, no. And so it was just you. <laughs> and I was like not prepared. And really, especially at that point, I was just like, I had no real interest in being a host. Which is funny now because that's all I do now is, is I produce my own stuff and and uh, host well, my own show. I'm glad so, I could be your 251st guest, so this is good. Well, it's not the... First, oh. 50 for a uh, 251st guest, but oh, okay. it's you're on my episode. All right, 251. Well, I, I, I wasn't going to say anything, but then I felt compelled. <laughs> well, now you've really nailed I, it. 250 episodes, and you're like, now I can really get to the hard hitting questions, right? With BK, well, here. the way I do it is I don't want to lean on guests. Yeah, well, if people like you, they like you. It's good to have good guests, but the best shows, whether they're this is letting you behind the curtain on, on radio, whether it's talk radio in you know any part of the day or your favorite podcast. 99.9% of the time you're listening because you like those hosts or that host. If they have good guests, right? Charles Barkley's a home run guest. You could go down the list of of home run guests like that, no problem. But you're going to tune into a show or, or pick a podcast because you, you like the podcast. You know, I listen to that Smartless podcast with Jason Bateman and Will Arnett and Sean mm-hmm. Hayes, and they have huge guests. They've had President Obama. They had President Biden. They've had a, a million right. A-list celebrities. But they're entertaining, and so I listen to them, and also it helps that they have cool guests, but their shit at the beginning, their their eight minutes before they get on or when they're just busting on each other, is as good as anything else. And so when you do have guests, I'm glad I can quote-unquote enhance the show, but I'm glad that people are listening and so this isn't this isn't the first episode. There's 250 more I have to go back and listen to now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, the, the first ones were done out of my garage because okay. I... And when now you've I, upgraded to the kitchen? No, I'm in the basement. <laughs> oh, there you go. Did you make a studio? You're just like, ah. I, we kind of have a studio. I have this like little corner in the basement, and I have you know a green screen if I need to do stuff like that. So I do these Bronco pregame huddle yeah. videos and stuff like that. That really you don't get anything out of other than stupidity, and that's I'm fine with that. <laughs> but but that's what I have. I have a lot of I have equipment down there, and that's my corner. The kids aren't allowed to go over there. And they're old enough that they don't. You know, I have an office in our basement as well. But because of the nature of what we do, right, you get bobbleheads. I have a million starting lineup action figures from, from oh, when yeah. we were kids. And I'll come down all the time, and they're on the floor. They're, I don't say out of place, but they're moved from where they were. And, in fact, I have a Peyton Manning bobblehead from his Hall of Fame weekend that was on my shelf. And my four-year-old just climbing up, knocked it down. It was a clean break, but I've not found strong enough glue. Oh, I had yeah. to talk to... Uh, Shout out to my guy, Kenny Lanzati, Kenzo's Customs, who does all those custom action figures for for players. Mm-hmm. So what's the best glue? Because this glue that I'm using is not sticking. The head is not mm-hmm. sticking on the neck. 
And he goes, try this glue. So I just need, I think my wife actually bought it. But anyway, it's good that your kids stay away from your stuff and know that, hey, this is how daddy makes a living. Right. You do not want to mess with his with his equipment. Now, I know where you live, and without getting into too much detail, a lot of what we do is down in the tech center or downtown. Right. You're further north. How many in-studio guests have you had to this point? Uh, actually, I had, I've had two. Oh, that's, and, more, but, than I, I would, that's that, more than I would guess by two. Well, in well, the funny thing is, is there are people I know, and they they live up there, but they weren't big name people. You know, Mark Stout lives up there. I bet he he's oh, just really? down the street. Yeah, he's a very interesting the guy, mo- Mark Stout. One of the most interesting. He has a. Does he still have a, a super amazing memory? Yeah, without question. He. I ran into him. I don't know how many years back, and I was with my brother. And he remembered some random thing, and I was like, my brother and I, I don't even remember what it was, but my brother and I are like, holy shit, how does he remember that? But yeah, good guy, uh, Stout. But the two people I had- He used to work in this studio, where we're sitting right now. The two people I had in studio, one was somebody that worked at DIA, and I wanted to get all the the juicy details of the, the alleged conspiracy theories and all that the full city underneath like, is, the is there really underground tunnels like yeah there's tunnels down there but it's just like it's not going to cheyenne mountain what i would like to know about dia and i don't know who can answer this but having experienced it one and a half times to be honest but having experienced the trains completely shutting down and i can tell you the first time it happened to me it's happened a handful of times but dia is relying on these trains Unlike Atlanta, which is laid out kind of similarly, where you go terminal to terminal to terminal, in Atlanta you have a train, but there's also a walkway parallel right. to the train where you can just keep walking, and you don't have to worry about the train, and say you've got a little bit of time, you don't want to be clogged in with all those people because you're about to be in a metal tube with them for one to five hours, maybe right. more depending on where you're going. But you remember Peyton Manning's first year when the Broncos were playing at the Chargers Monday night, and it was that big comeback, 24 nothing. Right. Yes. D-Mac and Al were meeting me out there. I went out the weekend, or on Friday, with my then-girlfriend, now wife, just for a little weekend trip, see friends and family in L.A., and then make our way down to San Diego. So as we get there, we can tell that the airport is an absolute clusterfuck from the jump. She was flying Frontier, which you can walk just across the jet bridge. That was back when, you remember, our pal JJ used to always hook us up. Southwest was a big sponsor. And like, hey, you've got these green love passes. You can, if there's an open seat, you're good. So we get them for guys flight out to Vegas, which I have a funny story about that that I want to bring up with you. Okay. Uh, But I knew I could change it. So everybody has to go across A, walk across, and then they had shuttle buses to B and C. The train was only down for about 90 minutes. For that 90 minutes, 10,000 flights were missed. I get on the phone. She Her flight's a little later on Frontier. I get on the phone and immediately call. We're flying into Orange County. I call and, and say, hey, is there another flight that'll get me to Orange County? Like, hey, you can go to San Jose. It takes off, you know, 40 minutes after the one I was going to get on. And I was going to be close. I was like, okay, put me on that through San Jose. So she ends up waiting for me for a half hour instead of me waiting for her for a half hour. But it completely crippled DIA for 90 minutes. And I know it's happened a couple times since, right? I work at KOA, so I'm listening to KOA all the time. And we have... News stories, whenever DIA is slowed down, shut down, not even counting weather. Weather's his own thing. I would love to know why they didn't have the force. I'd say, yeah, we should probably have a just a walkway that goes parallel to the damn train. A, a backup. They don't have a backup. That's it, it's very and even with moronic. all those billions of of of, res, of, of renovations. I right. still don't think a walkway is coming. It, it makes no sense. You're absolutely right, and that's just that's. Them not thinking about it, like, this won't ever happen. If it goes down, it'll be back up before you know it. And then, obviously, like you just said, it happens very frequently. Uh, More frequently than any traveler would like, because any time at all is going to be an inconvenience. That would that would piss me off. I remember we were, the my wife and I got to go to Hawaii back in the day, and uh, before we had kids. And we, <laughs> my mom was tagging along with us, because uh, we were meeting my brother out there, and just the idea of we booked one our first flight was delayed and then going on to the next flight to actually get to Hawaii we had like 10 minutes to go across LAX to the next terminal and like my mom fell and we ended up missing the flight so i can't imagine like especially on a business trip and you're supposed to be somewhere and you get screwed because the trains are down talking about 
your career in broadcasting. Which is what been, everybody wants to know about. Well, you've been part of a lot of things. You, you've been through the Tebow era. Yeah. Peyton Manning era. Yeah. And now you're in the world of suck that we're in right now with the Denver Broncos. Where do you see this franchise headed in the next couple of years? Because, well, I guess you could start off. What I did a Twitter poll yesterday about what's the biggest problem. And obviously you only get four options. One is Hackett, uh, Russell Wilson, the offensive line, and then um, George Payton. If you were to look at that, and only picking between those four, would you be able to do it? I I would. Whoever I voted for would probably be an equal vote, honestly, because it feels like you know, and that's an easier way for me to break it down because I don't have to just pick one in a poll, so I could click on any of them, and and I feel like they equal right. equally have culpability. I'm curious what what are the results of it the, at last the, check. The result was by. Over fifty percent was Hackett, okay. and then everybody else was essentially tied. Now, the the tricky part about blaming Hackett for all of it or half of it is that the other things factor into how he's operating to some degree. Do I think he's made some questionable hires in certain spots because he either relied on friendships, relationships, or his agent, or kind of a combination thereof in in some key areas that is really screwing them? I do think that's the case, and that kind of speaks to some of the other position groups that maybe aren't as well coached up as as they could be. Injuries do factor in and have touched just mm-hmm. about every position group, save for the D line, has dealt with pretty significant injuries at one point or another, or and or personnel issues via trade. Talk about but Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory on the outside, plus Baron Browning. So that's your three top guys have missed some, if not a lot of time. DBs, Justin Simmons misses four games with the quad with the quad and then misses another game just a couple weeks ago with a knee. Pat Sertan's certainly been more good than bad, if not more great than bad. But Ronald Darby tears his knee. People aren't even talking about a guy you're paying $10 million. So mm-hmm. you've seen Damari Mathis grow. Kwan Williams has to miss a couple games, obviously, and he has been huge as a slot as a slot corner. Then when you jump to the other side of the ball, and linebacker, obviously, between Jonas Griffith, Josie Jewell, and Alex Singleton hasn't made you miss them much, but those are the two guys you pencil in as a starter, and they both obviously missed a bunch of time. Uh, and Griffith likely done for the year with the foot thing. Offensively, you lose your left tackle, you're spending $16 million bucks on. You lose your center. Maybe Glasgow's a better center for what they're trying to do, but nonetheless, Cushenberry got more reps as a center. Mm-hmm. Right tackle's been a revolving door. Quinn Miner, it's a solid, but I think coaching may be limiting what he's able to do. And Dalton Reisner, I think, is a good player, not a great player. He said last week on KOA he's disappointed that they didn't offer him an extension. They did make him Walter Payton Man of the Year. Those areas don't really work together necessarily. I'm not sure they can offer him an extension for two reasons. One, his play has been up and down in four years. And two, if Nathaniel Hackett isn't your coach next year or your play caller, what offense are you going to run and and what linemen do you want other than Quinn Miners? Quinn Miners is the only guaranteed starter next year. Beyond that, Question mark at center, question mark at both tackles, because you can move on from Garrett Bowles if you want. Yeah. You don't know where he's back from injury. So O-line and the lack of consistency is a problem. The way Hackett coaches, the way he's approached things, I think, even subconsciously, and I've, I brought this up on the air a few times, because in London I, I talked to one of the coaches, one of the offensive coaches, and I said, hey, is Hackett maybe subconsciously trying to get Russ going at the expense of the rest of the offense, and the normal coach answer goes, oh, you mean try to get our best player going early? And I'm like, no. Obviously, that's ultimately what you're trying to do, but not running the ball, not looking at easier pass concepts, and allowing Russ to try and stretch the field like he did so much in in Seattle. And so because, and, and the coach basically admitted, yeah, that probably is what he's doing. Not that it's talked about necessarily, although they do talk about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then Hackett's reluctance to maybe give up play calling, although that's the most fun part of being a coach, I think, is when you get to call the plays, whether it's offense or defense, because you get to really decide what's next. Now, some of the best head coaches don't call plays. Some of the best head coaches do call plays. And then Russell Wilson's, I think, maybe unwillingness to adapt or maybe go back to some of the things that worked in Seattle and and try to become a player he's not. You know, talking to people close to it and and talking to people around the league that I trust their expertise. He wants to be Drew Brees because they're built about the same and both have big arms. But Drew Brees was a pure pocket passer. 
his entire life at 5'11", maybe six foot with his helmet on and cleats. Russell Wilson has never been a pocket passer right. at 5'10", maybe 5'11", with cleats and a helmet on. And so now you're trying to be something you're not. I, I've mentioned this a couple of times. I mentioned it when I talked to guys in Kansas City. There's 292 touchdowns that Russell Wilson threw in Seattle. We've seen the 80s thrown here. I want to go back and see how many of those are straight three-step, five-step drops in the pocket that aren't quick slants because a quick slant is designed to, it's one step or, you know, whatever, two steps, go, let it rip. If if it's there, it works. If not, no big deal. But it's before your your edge is even disrupted unless, you know, a linebacker so wide you're not going to throw it anyway. And fade routes don't count either. And I mean quick fade, you know, end zone fades or back shoulder. And I guess back shoulder fade is more an adjustment. But to me, though, there's still kind of timing, just throw it, let it go, versus things across the middle, intermediate routes. And I don't mean swing passes to your running backs. I want to know of those 292, how many were pure 6 to 20-yard throws for a touchdown, whether they're outs, posts, whatever. Because on, and this is something Hugh Millen brought up with me and Big Al on KOA. Hugh Millen said that on top of him not being able to see above his offensive line because of how wide those guys are, and then you talk about a defensive lineman, you know, the Chiefs are coming up. If Chris Jones is off Quinn Minerts and in between the A gap, between the center and the guard, well, there's no line of sight there for mm-hmm. a, a 5'10 quarterback, or a very limited one versus a 6'3, six, 6'5 six, quarterback. Which is why he should be just jumping all the time. Yeah, if he just jumped, <laughs> if he had if he had jumping shoes, well, it kind of... Well, and it's like, we all see it. He does better when he rolls out. And it's just it's just what he does. Uh, we got. I'm going to get your thoughts on the CU buffs here in a second. But first, root for safeties this season with your friends over at Superbook Sports Colorado. If you bet with Superbook this football season, they're going to give you a $50 bonus if a safety is scored on a Sunday. No matter how it happens, maybe a punter runs out of the end zone, maybe you get sacked in the end zone. Doesn't matter. All you got to do is root for chaos, and you could possibly win money with Superbook this fall. So download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start rooting for two with Superbook Sports. So visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. So obviously, Brandon, the big news, and I'm I'm sure you've talked to this guy plenty of times, Deion Sanders. Uh, you're kind of a big deal, okay? You you know, <laughs> just been a lot of places and been doing this for a long time, and you have. And Deion, being a member of the media, certainly has been around it at many Super Bowls and and right. the Combine. So over the years, as a kid who grew up in Dallas, I've had the fortune to get to talk to him. And and Michael Irvin is somebody that you remember he stopped by. In the Tim Tebow era, you know, you mentioned oh. Tim Tebow. I felt like Michael Irvin was out here every other week, and he'd come by our studio to do his radio show. Dude, Michael Irvin's a weird dude. He's, he's, certainly, he's certainly unique. Uh, I will say this, though, not in a bad way. No, like He was own, never mean to anybody. No, just a, a different cat. But he uh, <laughs> he was always cool to me, and the Dallas thing helped, and he signed stuff for me and took pictures, <laughs> and is always cool when I see him. Dion, admittedly, I don't know as well because he wasn't around as much. And, and you know, Mike will be out and about and, and have a soda pop or two. That's never been Dion's deal, as he famously said in Dallas when I think it probably was the end of his first marriage. And maybe it wasn't the end then, although I think he's on to now marriage number three, or when he gets married, that'll be marriage number three. There's a famous press conference, and maybe you can drop it in here if you if you want to go find it, but he famously was like, fornication was my drug. <laughs> and and so he just <laughs> talked about being a, a shitty husband. Yeah. Uh, but Well, uh, okay, so then let's talk about... I'm, I'm saying he's the, not a partier that's out drinking, right, which and, is and good. I'm saying Irvin is, but Irvin will, will have a drink with his NFL crew, and, and so he's fun to just you know, shoot the shit with. So I think when you look at it that way, that alone is a good influence, not the fornication, but well, I think he's he's, found Jesus since. Well, but it's, it's good to have a good role model. Somebody that's like, let's, let's go out and booze it up after a win or whatever. So, but that being said, we can set that aside. What do you think the CU buffs are getting in Deion Sanders? Cause there's a, everybody seems excited. I'm excited for it. But that being said, Looking at his head coaching record, what was he twenty five and seven at Jackson State? Twenty seven and five, and he's twenty seven and five, and currently undefeated. And that's maybe worth looking at as much as anything. Okay, now he's able to to do a couple things. He brought a quarterback with him in his son, who was a three to four star prospect, depending on who you ask. He doesn't run like his dad, but he runs fine. He throws the ball with ease. And you know, I saw one thing on Twitter where a, a pretty well known quarterback coach said, "Well, we haven't seen him at the D one level." 
You can tell with your eyes whether or not a guy can play. Does that mean he's going to be a Heisman contender and, and be the next Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, Max Dugan, somebody like that? I I don't know. That That's too early to tell. But he's efficient with how he throws the football. He's got a big enough arm. He works with guys like Tom Brady. He's mm-hmm. the only person I've ever seen wearing Tom Brady's clothes because he is a Brady brand endorsee with the NIL stuff. But so you, you automatically have that quarterback at Jackson State, so he's probably a level above the rest of the SWAC. Then you see a guy like Travis Hunter is maybe the highest recruited, highest ranked recruit in in high school a year ago. Spurn Florida State and all the other big programs, but Dion's Florida State Seminoles, who didn't even give Dion an interview really, or if they did, it was a cursory interview, and decide to come to Jackson State. And you say, okay, well, now he's bringing in top-level talent. Like, there's nobody as good as Travis Hunter coming into high school, I mean, coming into college, than what Travis Hunter was. So you've got guys around it. But also, he has assembled a staff of guys that have either been in college a long time and or with NFL experience as players or coaches and is going to continue to do that, that it allows him to come in and use that same blueprint because of NIL, which is a work in progress for sure in Boulder, but certainly because of the transfer portal, because he's one of one. And all these kids have watched Dion the last few years. They've all seen Dion highlights. Dion highlights are still permeating today's game because look at celebrations, the high-step celebration into the end zone is still a Dion thing. And his highlights are still relevant because his game translates over time. I'm not sure every player we've ever seen would dominate in this era, but his would in a game where you pass more and get your hands on more footballs, he probably would be even potentially even better, maybe not as many interceptions because they just wouldn't throw to him, but he'd be even better in the return game and and using him on offense. But so they, they know the resume. They've seen him on TV. And the generation of these kids now, our parents our age, who love Dion, right? I've right. got Dion action figures. I had a Dion Sanders jersey. I mean, I lived in Dallas in the in, in high school, and he got there my senior high school and helped him win the Super Bowl. And so Dion was a lot of people's favorite player. Mm-hmm. Jer- Jeremy Bloom, I think, said, I heard him say in an interview with TMZ, that he wanted to change his name to Dion when he was 12. That's how much he loved Dion. And so you're going to bring in a guy that's one of one in so many ways. And unlike, say, Nathaniel Hackett, who wants to come in and say, this is how we're going to run the offense, he's taking a head coach from a Division One school at Kent State. Maybe Sean Lewis knew his days were numbered, but that has one of the most high-powered offenses that we've seen in Division One college football and bringing him in to call the plays. Mike Zimmer's likely going to be around. They're I was stealing, just going to get to that. They're yeah. stealing a defensive coach from Alabama. Willie Taggart is is rumored to be involved. Tim Brewster, who coached with the Broncos and was a head coach at Minnesota, he is putting guys with NFL and big-time college experience on his staff to handle the nuts and bolts football stuff. His job is to handle recruiting, the image part of, of who he is as the face of the team, face of the program, face of the university now, and then... You know, I, I mentioned Big Al. He said Bill McCartney was the very best at, he wasn't the play caller, at saying, you know what, we need a reverse right here. Let's hit him with that reverse we've been working on. Hey, let's throw that flea flicker in now. Let's go with the all-out blitz. Not overruling his coaches, just saying, hey, let's do this now. And if Dion has that element to his game, and he probably does in terms of having a sense of the game, the rest will take care of itself. But because of the transfer portal, he can bring in guys that will... Up the talent level of CU, and I'm not even talking about his kid. That goes without saying. We'll see what he can do, but is likely an upgrade at quarterback or as good. If Travis Hunter comes, that's an upgrade. No matter what, he is an upgrade. Uh, no matter no matter what's there, because we saw how well he's played it at Jackson State. He's lived up to to the billing. I get it was the SWAC and not the ACC, but if he can do that a dozen more times, and you're adding ten or twelve top flight transfers, he's getting some big time JUCO All American, and then you're starting to get high school kids three, four, five-star, and develop them, and he's got the guys to develop them. It feels like it's going to be a home run. The question is, can they do it long enough to keep him around? And if not, hopefully it, it puts him in a better spot because of, of the concessions they made to get him here. Well, exactly. Like you said, is as long as he doesn't lose interest in Colorado, I think the University of Colorado is going to be very successful looking into the future. But I'm wondering, what is... Because on paper it looks fantastic. It's it's very just makes you want to giggle. You like you get this surge of energy going through you because you're on paper. There's a lot of freaking potential with the University of Colorado football team, but where do you see them 
finishing next season. Do you think they're bowl bound? I think they have to be. When you look at how many bowl games there are, and I see it at the University of Kansas. Now, it took two years for Lance Leipold, but my alma mater, he came in after building a huge program at Wisconsin Whitewater and winning national championships, going to Buffalo, which was pretty good with Turner Guild and kind of took a step back. He got them back up, and there may have been a coach there in between. There definitely was at least one. He, he got Buffalo back into bowl contention in, in the MAC, the, the same league that the Kent State coaches is, is coming from. Goes to Kansas, and in his second year, he has the Jayhawks bowl eligible for the first time since 2008. Yeah. And so that was Chris Harris's sophomore year, and Chris Harris is finishing year 11 or 12 in the NFL right now. So it gives you an idea of how long ago that, that mm. was, right? You can change the culture quickly, and because of the transfer portal, and my answer is not going to be as long as my last one was, he can bring in some real talent and find the play. Look, CU doesn't have zero good players. I don't know how many good players they have. They have a kid, a it's receiver. Not many. not many. And they have no junior class. All their juniors transferred. Their seniors are graduating. But the one thing that they do have is a shitload of freshmen and sophomores who played. So, doesn't mean they're all going to stick around. We saw his introductory meeting with the team. I don't think he was encouraging all of them to get in the transfer portal. I think he was saying, hey, if you don't want to do it this way, because they have enough scholarships right now to bring in 40 or 50 kids, whatever it is, between not having any juniors and all the seniors graduating, I haven't done their their scholarship count, but they'll they'll figure out how to get kids in. It's more, if you don't want to do everything the way I'm going to do it, then hit the road, get in the transfer portal. He's, he doesn't have 40 players he's bringing with him. I think he can only bring 10 from Jackson State or something like that. Well, and, and that's the thing. I see a lot of people on social media, the, the softies out there, that are like, oh, he, he's just way too aggressive or that's that's unprofessional. And it's like, no. It's like that in real life, guys. It's like here at iHeart. You either come into work, do your fucking job, or get the fuck out. Yeah, and they, that's the way that's, it is. That's, that's how, all he's saying, essentially. That's how most businesses should be run, and I think that people lose sight of that. Oh, these are kids; they made a four-year commitment. I, I get all that, right? But, right. And, and he's not kicking them all out of school or off the team. I think he's going to meet with them and let them know what their future is. And it's just like any coach. If you're if your kid's a, a high school player, and they go in, and the coach says, "Look." Your kid's not good enough to be my quarterback here at, at XYZ school. So if he wants to go mix in with the receivers, good luck. But I've got two quarterbacks, a, a, a sophomore and a freshman. I get that he's going to be a senior, but I don't have a spot for him. Or your kid's an O-lineman, and like he's just not big, whatever it may be. So he's going to have those real talks with those guys. But here's what I'll say. If you were good enough to get a scholarship at Colorado for whatever reason, with the transfer portal being what it is, I get it. There's a 1,000 kids in it right now. You almost certainly could jump from CU to CSU or Wyoming or go down a notch and go to UNC, go to Mesa State, go to Adams State, go to Western State, go go to Chadron State where where our guy Danny Woodhead went. There, there are schools right. out there. It, it's a bummer because you were at a Power 5 school. Find another Power 5 school that was in on you. Was Washington State in on you? Was And let, was that, and let that fuel you going forward. Yeah, You're, absolutely. Put, put that chip on your shoulder like all the great players do. And if you are indeed that good, okay, go forward. Or that competitive, go find a place to compete. If they don't think you can compete here, prove them wrong. Go find another Pac-12 right. school and, and come back in and, and try to beat them. There, that happens in every industry, and I don't think a, a lot of people really think about it too much, but there's been times where, like at the radio station, you got some young piece of shit coming in there thinking they're great, and you're like, no, fuck you. I'm but gonna- the, the other side of it is you also see people without a lot of experience that are given an opportunity right. because and, and of because of who they know. Because of who they know or be, because they impressed the right boss at the right time. You see that in, you know, it's always been the age-old adage in sports that all it takes is one GM, one coach to like you and certainly having a GM that likes you helps but that'll keep you on teams whether it be football basketball base if you have somebody that likes you that helps you have to then keep the job same with what we do there are people that certainly get weekend opportunities or get chances to do stuff and then the boss or bosses have to decide is this person the right fit but we're certainly in an industry where I don't say loyalty doesn't matter, but you don't always get promoted because you've been working somewhere or if you've been a producer and a fill-in guy on the weekend or you do updates. It doesn't mean they're going to make you a midday host just because that job opens up. You may want it, and that's great. All of us should think that we're good enough. I mean, I guess maybe you, you should you know. have that mentality. But if you have that mentality, that confidence, and then go out and, and, and get the job, win the job, whatever. And, and so as it relates to CU, there are some kids that were jumping in the portal that now want back out. 
and say, you know what, I am going to stay here, assuming that they'll keep them. And it, it will get a little tricky maybe if there are kids that don't want to leave and, and figure out how to make that work. But knowing what I know about college coaches, they figure out they figure out how to get what they want. And in this case, Dion's going to amass a roster of 80 to 90 kids that he wants. You know, the one thing he may have, too, is a much stronger in-state walk-on program than they've had in forever because you're going to have Colorado kids that want to be in that program that could have gone and played somewhere smaller say, you know what, I want to be around this. I want to be around these NFL guys. I'll walk on because I can afford to because I'm from Highlands Ranch or I'm from Broomfield or I'm from mm-hmm. wherever, and then I'll go earn a scholarship because I'm going to stick around and I'm not worried about the transfer portal, and I'm going to go prove that I that I belong. What I know looking at the way he spoke to the team is if my son was in that room, I'd be like, you know what? You need to try to stick around as much as you can because that is a leader speaking to his team. If you can't handle it, then maybe football's just not your thing. But I think it's just, it's real life. That's just, to me, it's just like you're going to deal with that shit. If you continue in football, if you're good enough, that's great. You're going to continue to deal with that shit. If you decide to go into a different industry, you're going to have to deal with that shit. Uh, promotions are usually earned, okay? Sometimes they're not, and you just got to fucking deal with that shit because that's just life. But yeah, there are people that, that jump lines here or there, and until you own the company or you're the boss, right? It you can complain about it. You can keep doing your job. You can try to do your job better. You can try to find another job, but as, as I've said for a long time, the unemployment line is is filled with people who think they're smarter than their bosses or their superiors, and you may you may actually be. But if you're not the one, it, you know, the heavy is the head that wears the crown, but if you're not wearing the crown, then then you have to fall in line or move on. A good example of that is there was a point where one of my former program directors, Armin Williams, brilliant guy, and he he said something to me where he's just like, I just don't think you're doing a good enough job at this, whatever it was. It wasn't anything like horrific, like you're going to get fired unless you get, get, get better at this. But it was enough where it was a shot to my ego. And I was just like, I, I got mad. Sure. That's the human, human reaction. I didn't get mad to him. But then I, I remember sitting down at my desk going, hold on, let me look at this from his perspective. And I remember sitting there and going, okay, yeah, I see what he's saying. Okay, let's try it his way and let's see if it works. And it did for the most part, but then I morphed what he suggested I do plus with what I normally did and it worked perfectly. And we talked later on and he was happy. So it's just sometimes shit doesn't go your way. You just got to suck it up, take a step back and go, is there truth in what's in front of me? So thank you so much for joining the podcast. I drove all the way down here from Thornton. It was was great to see you. I don't know the last time I saw you, maybe around training camp. uh, The the one day I was out there. The one day you made it out to, you didn't miss much, honestly, (laughs) uh, other than seeing Sierra every day, which was cool. Good for her, Uh, And and the kiddos, yeah. right. They they love their dad. They want to be out. They want to watch football practice. They want to goof around after. Listen, I will say this about Russell Wilson. Seems like a genuinely nice guy. Yeah, I think that, that, that that's absolutely true. Uh, but as they say, it ain't show friends, it's show business. And he's getting paid two hundred forty to sixty million dollars, whatever it ends up being. Do you think people want to see him play better? Do obviously. you think people would be so irate with Russell if he didn't get that new contract? No, you'd just be talking about what's next, right? You would be trying yeah. to move him or or draft somebody to back him up, maybe to light a fire under him because you had not only this year but next year on it. So I think. People, they're mad at Russ for the performance and then mad at the Broncos for the deal, especially because, yeah, his agent was pushing for the deal. That's what an agent's supposed to do. But George Payton could have dug his heels in and say, hey, we've got new owners. We want to let them, they want to get the lay of the land of everything. This is going to work out. We made all all these moves to get Russ here or made such a, in, a, a big compensation package for the Seahawks to get him. We're not going to give up after a year. But then well, they would have had a lot more financial flexibility to do so if he played this poorly. Well, see, that's the thing. It's it's it was a big risk if he would have just waited and then Russ balls out. Let's obviously he's not, but if he did, it would have cost you more money. You got to cost more money. So I understand why George Payton did it. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, 
but I don't think George Payton screwed up. It's just it shit happens. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's easy just to sit back now and say he he clearly jumped the gun on on where Russ is based on this year, and we'll see what changes in terms of personnel around him and and who the head coach is. GMs typically don't get that many opportunities to hire a head coach, kind of like an athletic director. They usually get one or two in football and and maybe one or two in basketball. Tom Telesco is kind of the exception. <laughs> he keeps getting to hire new coaches in in L.A. with the Chargers. I think he's on at least number three uh, and perhaps number four. I guess I got to do the math on when he if he hired Mike McCoy or not. Uh, but in general, you're not getting too many swings at this. And that's part of it, too, is that George Payton may not be pushing for Nathaniel Hackett's firing because he doesn't want to look like he missed that poorly to his to his new bosses in the Walton Penner group. And because they've never owned a pro franchise of any kind, we know how Walmart's run, but there, there's a little more to it than that because this is not the same. It's not an apples-to-apples business. No, They may not want to be David Tepper down in, in Carolina, who's on his third head coach in five years of owning the team, and Dan Snyder, who's got a new head coach every other year in Washington, that likely that reign's coming to an end at some some point. Uh, we don't know how soon. So they may not want to be the, and they, they almost certainly don't want to be the owners, I'm sure this has been pointed out to them, to be the first to fire a head coach in their in their first year the coach's first year at, be the earliest to ever do it because the next coach that comes along is going to be looking over their shoulder if they stumble out of the gates or whatever it may be and we'll see and that's the other thing people are so quick i know you got to run but uh, there's a no, lot of- i've got more time than you do i think <laughs> maybe not than you do but uh, i got to get to broncos practicing a little bit but i've got a couple minutes well my my thing is just like yeah okay let's jump walk down the road of you fire nathaniel hackett well who do you get your your wish list is Sean Payton, but then who else? You can afford and right, you can afford Sean Payton, but does Sean Payton want to move to Denver? He seems to really like SoCal. He's been in New Orleans for almost twenty years. They he and his wife bought a place in SoCal. His daughter lives out there in in Southern California. He knows that both LA jobs could be open at some point. One of them has one of the most talented young quarterbacks and a nice roster that's always hurt in the Chargers. And the other one in the Rams certainly has some nice pieces. You'll probably lose Matt Stafford and Aaron Donald, but you'll be involved in helping rebuild alongside Les Snead if, if Sean McVay decides he wants to walk away. And so getting him to to up and move again to deal with the challenges of coaching up Russell Wilson may not be appealing to him. Now, it, it, it may. We'll, we'll see if they decide to move on from Nathaniel Hackett, but... Firing Nathaniel Hackett now isn't going to get you in the playoffs at this point, especially with the playoffs well, over. No. Yeah. But because you didn't do it in the last couple of weeks, maybe you see if if he can light a spark or they can figure out a way to score points. Well, see, I don't know why you would against the Chiefs if you couldn't do it against the Ravens and Tyler Huntley or oh, or the Titans who gave you chances. It, it's hard to think that it's going to happen, and so then it becomes a question of what offense makes the most sense, assuming our team is healthier, and and who's going to be the coach to. To coach that you really like your defensive coordinator in Ijero Avero, and you hope that maybe he sticks around or maybe he becomes a head coach candidate. What's funny is I imagine in a vacuum, if you asked him, "Hey, who do you want to see as your head coach?" I mean, as your play caller, let's pretend I'm uh, a, a coach of the or the owner of the Falcons, and I'm firing Arthur Smith, and I want to bring in a defensive coach. And so the GM and I are talking. Well, he'd probably say he was going to bring in Nathaniel Hackett to be his play caller. If this were a year from now and and he were to get this shot and Hackett would have stayed with Green Bay for a fourth year. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what he would do in that sense. I mean, he's worked a lot of places and knows a lot of people. I don't think Nathaniel Hackett's the only play caller he knows. But he's a defensive guy. And so what would that look like? That's a whole other thing. Does he have enough juice to rein some of the stuff in with Russ? Because we heard about all the stuff. We knew about the Sierra stuff and owning stores and all the other, what all, all of it, right? The, the entourage and all that but Russ doesn't let football take a back seat. It's just that you tolerate all the other bullshit and having your own office and all that when you're winning. And the Seahawks tolerated whatever they felt like tolerating. They moved on, and and they're where they are, and, and the Broncos are where they are. But if you make a head coaching change, it's kind of hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube on some of that. You're not taking Russ's office away, I don't think. Depends on who the coach is that comes in and how much of a hard-line stance they want to take. They certainly have that autonomy, and I don't know if people realize that, that when a head coach comes in, they can change a lot of shit around. They can change because everything related to the football team, when they practice, how they practice, when they fly, who sits where, who's in the front, who's in the the front of the airplane, who's in the back. Mm-hmm. Our guys and, you know, our young guys having to have roommates have kind of moved on from that in general. But 
whatever it may be. The head coach gets to decide all of that. And the GM should empower the head coach to do that. If there's a new head coach and it's not Nathaniel Hackett, can you put that toothpaste back in the tube? If they're so steadfast in saying, Russ, you don't need your own office. You can keep your people. They can be in a trailer out front. And when you need to get stretched, you can go out there. You can break film down with your QB coach. You can be in, because he has his own personal QB coach and Jake Keeps. Mm-hmm. You can be in the quarterback's room. And you can be in the locker room like everybody else. Go to the head coach's room and and, and go to head coach's office and talk to him. Well, but and essentially he, just kind of humble him and knock him down a few pegs and be like, listen, if you want your own office, fucking earn it type of thing. May, maybe so, although I guess the argument is, look, I went to nine Pro Bowls and I went to the playoffs eight yeah. times. I've earned it. You traded for me. You're paying me all this money. This is what I need to, to feel comfortable or be successful. And that's probably the conversation. I don't well, think maybe it's he a, feels too comfortable. I don't think it's a, it's a F you to the rest of the team. But at the same time, I've had defensive players. I've talked about this on the air. I've had defensive players tell me they just don't know him. They're not being critical of him as a person. They they're not they're not saying they don't like him. They're saying we don't really know him because he spends a lot of his time in the office. And where I think he is mishandling it is that when the players are in the building, especially in in normal times, we'll call it seven thirty eight until four ish, four thirty. And on Wednesday, Thursday, those are really your only long days. Friday, guys are cut loose about one thirty two. Monday is let's review film, and Tuesday's an off day. So really, just Wednesday, Thursday. If Russ was more cognizant of being around his teammates and in the lunchroom and in the locker room more from 8 a.m. to 4 and then be in your office from 5 a.m. to 8 and from 4 p.m. until midnight or whatever, no one's going to notice because they're all gone other than guys getting treatment and they're not looking for you anyway. So that was kind of a, I think he mishandled that. We saw him playing Uno when we had open locker room a few weeks ago. I don't know if that was just timing or if it was intentional that, hey, look, I'm here with my guys playing Uno with Justin Simmons. And, it's a fun and, game, I will say. Yeah, it it, <laughs> it really comes down to, you know, who's number one. <laughs> Spanish puns. Coming in with the jokes. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming in with the, with the <laughs> jokes now. I feel like we talked way more sports than I was planning on talking with you. Not that I didn't want to talk about fun uh, times. But. I'll, I'll tell you this, Brandon, real quick. When I worked at the radio station, I had a hard time enjoying sports. Once I left and realized there's all, you know, I can talk all these other things. Sure. I actually started enjoying sports again. Some of, that, some of that depends on your bosses and, and what the directives are and how much you're allowed to participate in a show or what right. they want the shows well, that, to be. That, and to it, be honest, talking about the same subject over and over again yeah. was really tiring. Yeah, you do that for four hours. You talk about the Broncos. You break it down 30 different ways. That's good for the listener that is getting in at different times or checking in at different times, but can get a little repetitive. But but now I can throw in Broncos talk, and also I can cut up this, the the episode into okay on the other side we're going to talk about you know the guy that fell off the cruise ship doesn't remember how he got into the water have you ever been on a cruise once now on the on the edges they have like a rail right yeah so you can't just like stumble over there and fall over do you hear about that guy that fell in the water he was in the water uh, and for, it was for like 20 15 hours. hours, 20 hours, treading 20 water. Hours, treading water, eating bamboo and whatever else floated his way, fighting off, like I called, sea beasts. Yeah. I don't know what, he doesn't know what they were. At least but, they weren't sharks, and at least he wasn't bleeding. Right. And, and then he he doesn't remember, he's all, I went out to go to the bathroom. Next thing I know, I, I, I'm I in the water. Them. I'm like, you have to climb up. Kind of. I mean, they're they're up to about your chest, depending on how tall you are. According to Carnival. Well, and maybe at the top they are higher, but some of the other ones, I mean, they're probably five feet okay. at least. So there, there's an element of climbing. Now, do they have cameras on deck? I think so. I would think they, they, for... def- they definitely do, but they may not at night point out. I, I don't know. You would uh, you think know, they every would. Every ship is different. I kind of hated, my wife and I hated the cruise we went on. It was only four days, and for those of you who've never gone on a cruise... I don't know how many people are in a hurry to do that in a post-COVID world, but people are still going and they're giving great mm-hmm. deals. And the longer the cruise, typically the bigger and better the ship is. So a three okay. or four day cruise is kind of a crappy ship. Six, seven, eight <laughs> days, you're getting the biggest, coolest with mm-hmm. all the bells and whistles. Now I have an irrational fear of heights that I don't want to be Thank an you. outside. I don't mind having an outside window. I don't want an outside balcony on a cruise at all. I'm fine facing inside or whatever it may be. I don't need it. Outside window is fine, but I, I don't need the, the balcony with it. Not that I'm going to jump over. My kids are going to jump over, but that's where the irrational part comes in. When we were in L.A. covering the Super Bowl this past uh, Super Bowl, I, the, the hotel I was in, first of all, very nice change of pace that I got my hotel, own. I, I have to share a room. I didn't have to share a room, which was great. 
but my window, I'm I go to look out, and it's just the way it was positioned. I like I had to step back away from the window because I'm like you. I hate heights. Yeah. I and I because I know the fear of. Then I'm sitting there going, "What if the window collapses?" Did you have that fear of heights before you had kids? Yes. Oh, I didn't. Oh, really? really? Yeah, mine has certainly come. I think the mortality part of it and whatever, which but, makes sense. But when I'm on high buildings, I don't freak. Every now and then, I was in a a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, we went to New York uh, first weekend of December. It's obviously a great time with the holiday lights and everything. Is uh, making up my sister's 40th birthday. Took her to this really fancy restaurant in in downtown Manhattan, in Wall Street or on Wall Street. 80 stories in the air, and it had an outdoor viewing space, and then upstairs an even cooler one. And I was out there like taking pictures. And I was kind of leaning out, but also leaning back. Right. And I was worried about dropping my phone, even though like <sighs> there was a there was fencing. There wasn't a wall. It was it was railing. Have you been to the Grand Canyon? I have not. That I can't handle it. My huh. wife thought it was hilarious because there's not as many railings as you would think. No, and but you know I've been to Canyonlands and uh, Arches National Park and Moab, both of those, yeah. and I'm not in a hurry to get near the edge on any of those. <laughs> so it's a funny story about Arches. My before kids, there's this one great arch, and everybody was going up there taking pictures, and my wife saw. Quit being a pussy. Go up there and take a picture so I can get a picture of you. So I, 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 I'm like, fuck it. Let me just go rush up there and then take the picture and then I'll run back down. She's like, fine. In delicate arch is that the one it's called? Oh, called? I, I, I don't know. Called. But anyway. I, I rush up there and as I get to the top, I didn't slow down enough and I kind of stumble and I kind of peek over the edge. And I'm like, holy shit, it's like 200 feet down. like, And I'm like, and like I get into that moment where I just tense up and I'm like, ah, no, I'm leaving. If you didn't take a picture, you're screwed. Did the picture turn out? I don't even, I don't even remember. I hate heights. My biggest issue with arches specifically, and there's nothing you can do about it, is just you want to take a cool picture like in the art in two of the you know more prominent arches. I was right, delicate arches is one I was thinking of. But there's 100 people there, so you can't be like, hey, yep. y'all back out. Like, let's go one at a time. So unless you're taking it super tight and you don't know where you are then at that point anyway, you're just in, right. in some sort of park. I remember, though, and I'm sure you do, the very first time I ever went snowboarding happened to be the first time you ever went snowboarding. Uh, yeah. Now, you're from Colorado, so your excuses aren't the same as mine growing up in Texas. But we go up to this place called Echo Mountain. They give us free lessons. We both did fine. And we were in a station vehicle <laughs> no, from the fan. No, I didn't. Well, I did better anyway. than you. I did better than you. And then we had a Coors Light at the end because the picture always pops up on my Facebook uh, right, time right. hop thing. They they uh, let us use a station vehicle. It was old Acura uh, SUV. And you were driving. <laughs> and as we're avoiding traffic, it's two-way traffic on what is essentially one-and-a-half-lane road. It's icy, and you slide right into the snowbank. <laughs> now, thankfully, we didn't slide off the cliff because between I fear went of heights. Right. Yeah, you went right into the snowbank, which I, I think ultimately is the right call. Because left would have taken us over it the cliff. would have taken us right? over the edge, and that would have been great. I don't think we would have fallen to our death because there were too many trees. It would have just kind of caught the car. It would have been great, but we would have been able to, I think, pop out and not die um, or f- fall hundreds of feet. Nonetheless, yeah, because there's obviously plenty of cliffs that are like that. There are trees right there. Mm-hmm. It took a minute to get it to get the car dislodged. I got some good photos. I don't know if I still have those. Do you have on this Did you phone. take pictures? Of I that? took a couple of you trying to like dig out and with the the front right end of the car like firmly lodged in the snowbank. I want to say somebody stopped and offered to help, and yeah. I was like mad. I'd be like, yeah. no, no, I got, I got it. it. And there was a, at least a shovel for you to kind of dig out around the tires, and we ended up getting out. It wasn't probably wasn't more than about ten minutes, but. It was fucking funny. It's it's more stressful when somebody's in the car with you because I'm like I'm embarrassed because I'm with you. Like I, you know, I should be a better driver than this. But even though like the roads were so slick, like whatever. And yeah, I, I saying, do remember that. I was saying it was Vegas, but I, I remember this is one of my favorite stories, and I think lets people know who you are, whether you want this out there or not. But we were in Arizona. Exotic, exotic dancer. We, we were in Arizona. We'd be a great one at that. We were in Arizona for spring training, and kind of the whole station was there at various points throughout the week. And we had those same Southwest vouchers, so you could fly back when you wanted to. And we're like a day in, two days in, you're like, man, I, I just want to get home and hang out with my wife. Like, it wasn't that your wife couldn't come down there, and I think you and I were sharing a room, so I was part of it. That was a nice resort we were at, but we were still sharing a room. Uh-huh. You're like, and I was like, yeah, what a 
you know, what a wimp. Not that I wasn't even <laughs> right. like, I was like, you're here at spring training. We're at the pool. Like, you know, nothing nefarious is going on. We're just hanging out, guys, you know, going to spring training games, doing shows, yeah. moving around. Mike Evans got a speeding ticket uh, oh, in a minivan funny. that was in DMAX name. And I don't know if you ever paid it. I remember it, that. Um, because it was one of those like static cameras. Um, I don't think he did. He may not have. He may be wanted. He's a felon. He could be a, f- a felon. Is it a felon? It's definitely not a a forty dollar. <laughs> He's uh, going to prison. You know, but the car was rented in D Mac's name, and Evans was the one driving. Uh, and we'd all just gone to In and Out at least one of the times. But I remember you ended up leaving a day early because you missed your wife, and uh, and I just thought that was cool that y'all's relationship that it meant. Did I leave a day early? You, did, you left a day early on the trip because you, you could, and we didn't. You know, it's uh, not that we didn't need you, but you wanted I, to get back and see your wife. Well, I like her. I get it. <laughs> and she likes you, which is the more surprising Very thing, I bizarre. think. Just like my wife that, that likes me. But that was the cool moment where Alfred Williams was broadcasting live on air and were behind home plate using the yeah, studio. the Rockies were very cool. The Rockies in... Oh, my God. And essentially KOA by default. I don't know if KOA even knew. But the Rockies let us do a talk show from one of the other broadcast booths. Let's They're playing the Mariners. I still have those pictures on my phone. Yeah, my buddy worked for the Mariners, and you're right. I kind of cut your story off, but Big Al, foul ball comes back. We've got the window open. And what was cool about those shows, we were doing it at night, but we just kind of let everybody talk, right? It was just kind of uh, whoever's there, we're doing a talk. Sorry, we're doing a talk show. It wasn't that, I think at the time, Sandy may have been hosting, and it wasn't. And who was the manager? Was it Jim Tracy? It would have been Trace as the manager, right? Because I was told by Rocky's PR that, uh, when Tracy came on, Sandy couldn't be a part of it. Okay, so may- maybe that <laughs> could, yeah, that, that could be. I get that. That was also the famous Ubaldo Jimenez saying, "Stay right away from the rice and crush the beans." That's where the "crush the beans" saying came from because we said we were headed over to the famed buffet at Talking Stick at the resort, which was good. It was good, and then I lost money on the card table, which is a theme in that casino. I've never won in that casino, but. It was Look, a really fun trip, but yeah, Big Al reaches out. I reached out too, and I I've caught plenty of yeah. dying foul balls in my hands without it really hurting. The way catching a ball at the home run derby last year, the especially the non humidor balls, those balls were picking up speed. It was crazy how fast they were going. One ball hit right in front of me, and the guy that was sitting there, Randy, had moved because uh, someone else had fallen into the stairwell. Now it wasn't the hardest fall. It's on it's on TV during the home run derby when um, I think it was. What's his name? Matt Olson from the A's is lefty. But the round wasn't done. So we're all kind of looking at this guy that has fallen over the railing. It was only like four, six feet. It wasn't a death ball. Uh, but Randy had gotten up. If Randy had been sitting there, this ball would have clocked him square in the chest or the head. And the balls were accelerating. You saw Peyton Manning was in the outfield amongst the kids trying to catch fly balls. That ball was picking up as it was out there uh, at, at All-Star Weekend. This wasn't like that. But Big Al bumps me out of the way. He's got those big mitts. Catches it nice and soft. And then because my my buddy worked for the Mariners, we catch up with him on the field after the game, and he tracks the player down, and the guy signs it for Big Al. I don't know where the yeah. ball is, and I can't remember the player's name. but I don't I don't think it was anybody No, huge. it certainly wasn't Ichiro. No, which would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been awesome, and Ken Griffey had already retired. But it was still it was a, it was a fun couple of days. But I always think about that you were having such a miserable time not being with your <laughs> wife that you're like, I got to get back to Denver. Whoa. So you, you left a day early. It was a cool experience, though, real quick, because we did the Eric Decker was part of the Broncos and Decker. Yeah. Actually, I took Decker around and dropped him off like a like a parent to yeah, you were their his kid. Uber driver. I was just like, here you go. Don't forget, because he was part of our crew. Yeah. And I was like, here you go. And then he they gave him a uniform and he went out there and practiced with the well, team. Because he didn't play college baseball. So he was yoking the ball. And then hitting home runs and shagging fly balls and yeah, dang that yeah that that was a it was fun but yeah I I only it's like me though in vacation if I go on vacation like we went to Hawaii right before the pandemic and we had the kids out there I met my brother out there and his family from Australia that'd be fun had you ever met him before yeah my brother no it was the first time. <laughs> Yeah, your brother lives in Australia. Would you bring that up on the air very much? It's it's yeah, cool. Yeah, it's cool because it, there's a it's it's interesting. Yeah, have y'all gone there yet? Not as a a clan. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, he's been there Brent, 15, 20 years. I mean, he's been there a while. Oh, I want to say about 15, 16 years now. And my wife and I have gone twice. Okay. Pre pre kids. Okay, so you've gone there. All right, cool. But like when we were in Hawaii. And I want to say we were there for like ten days or something like that. By 
the fourth day, I'm already going, okay, I'm, I want to go home. You miss your bed? I miss my comfortable miss bed. bed dogs. I get my it. dog. I get it. Now I got a cat who's obese. It's funny because <laughs> I, I like vacation. You know, it can be stressful with kids. But no matter how long I'm gone, whether it's a, a work trip for a couple of days or a vacation for 10 or 12 days when we can sneak those in in the summertime, right? You leave on a Thursday and come back on that following Sunday, Monday, whatever. I'm always like, God, I miss our bed. Like, why were we gone for so long? When you realize, like, the amount of time of the trip was fine. It's just, if you have a good bed and you don't have a mattress endorsement yet for your podcast, we should maybe Ooh. find one. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, there's a lot of bed companies. Sleep here in King. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know if that's random. one of them. Yeah. <laughs> just make one up and hey. see, if, see if you can find free beds that way. Um, uh. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any other fun stories <laughs> that... Uh, Oh, uh, I'm sure there. Well, I have plenty. I don't re- know how, remember how many I want to share on the air. Fir- the first time you and I really got to hang out was during that blizzard. Remember, we had to go down that the high on I-25 in Dan Jacobs' little ma- Matrix whatever, car, yeah, whatever Toyota that Matrix, is. Yeah. And which was a much cooler name because of the movie than but, the car. <laughs> it's like this. It's not his fault. He didn't design it, but it seems like Toyota wasted that name on a shitty car. Right. Exactly. So we get stuck on the ramp from. Orchard to I twenty five, so we had to all get out. We didn't have yeah. a shovel, nope. and I think some of us were trying to dig out with our arms, and we're all trying to push. And then once you get momentum in that situation, it everybody's just like, "Get the car and just jump in." Then we we end up going to some random hotel, and you and I, you you were the one that taught me what's Dan's room number and I, whatever, yeah. 413, yeah. whatever it was. So we get beers from the the <laughs> from, front desk yeah. or whatever. And they're like, what room are you in? We'll just charge it to the room. We're yeah. like, 413. 413. My name's Dan Jacobs. Jacobs. I don't have my wallet on yeah. me to show you my identity. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. No problem. There's a snowstorm. They <laughs> so believed you. The name so, was right. The <laughs> name was right. Yeah. I, I don't it's know. kind of an old, an old veteran <laughs> trick that they do to rookies at the Pro Bowl. Hey, what room are you in? I'm going to come by and grab you. We're going to go to dinner. Uh, 12.15, okay, great. 12.15, we're putting it on so-and-so. Right. And they end up with a huge bill, and they do not care. Really easy to do. Yeah, it's kind of a dickhead move if it's something extravagant. A couple beers is abusing. I think we're at that Doubletree, actually. Um, not the one across the street. We weren't? No, because our boss We definitely forgot. stayed there one time. Okay, yeah, you're right. I guess we were further down, but they had a bar, so that was cool. Um, I guess we can let people behind the curtain on one of the more famous stories that Big Al still brings up. And this can be maybe where we end if this is where you want to end. Sure. But pretty early on in our working relationship, we were talking about athlete rappers. (sighs) And I really wanted to play Shaquille O'Neal's, we'll call it average rapping. I'm not going to pick on on, on the the big Shaqtis. I know where you're going with this. And so I actually, did you have the CD? I think so. I was just in a bad mood. You had the CD and brought it in. So this is a a two-day buildup. So this is on like a Tuesday. You bring it in on Wednesday. I'm like, well, let's play it. And you're like, and you were in a bad mood. You're like, I'm not playing it. And so we both got pissed and you were sticking to your guns. I get <laughs> pissed. We end up playing it or not playing it. You then have two days off. But we made it out to be like you and I got in a fight. Oh, yeah. Because DeHuff and, or I'm sorry, Hastings and, and Al were like, damn, can't believe that BK and, and DeHuff just got in a fist fight. Uh, you know, and the show was ending and. <laughs> I mean, I think our bosses were like, what, what the hell is going on? I'm like, well, I really wanted to play it. And you're like, I didn't. And I'm like, but I'm the producer of the show, so we're going to play it. And they want to, you know, like, whatever. You're I'm like, in I'm control not playing of the it. audio. Yeah, you're like, I'm not playing it. Right? And so that was, it was this huge, you know, 15-minute deal. They asked what was going on afterwards. And then you had two days off. But it made for a much better radio bit. And maybe up until now, if anybody remembers that from 07, <laughs> the summer of 07 probably, or fall of said whatever it was, they might have thought that you and I got in a legitimate fist fight and that yeah. you got suspended for us fighting. Somehow I didn't get suspended for us fighting. <laughs> Only you got suspended for us getting in well, a fist fight. Well, I did fight. all the work, Brandon. Sure. sure. Uh, or that I that it was so bad you had to take a couple days off because like, I wrecked. You just embarrassed yeah. yourself. So I don't remember why I was irritated. Yeah, I'm sure. And and like, I'm sure it had nothing to do with that. Like you know, no, life just, just in the way. One of those things yeah. where I can be bitchy at times and like everybody else in the world and it's like i had a moment where i could control something and i'm like i need to do it (laughs) so anyway brandon thank you so much how can people find you on social media at bk denver sports on twitter is where i'm most often 
not only available but interactive. Instagram a little less. TikTok is a new emerging thing because, hey, whether you like it or not, everyone's I'm listening. on there. Y'all need to understand that TikTok is going to become part of the future, if not a, a big part of it, and we don't know what the future of Twitter is. Instagram is kind of its own static thing, and it's tied to Facebook and all that. But TikTok, I believe, will end up being a much bigger part of how we consume news. But all of them are at BK Denver Sports, and that's where you can find me. I'd say I'd give you a set time on KOA, but I'm on all times of the day and night, depending on where they need me, and I'm covering all the teams, uh, mostly the Broncos. But now with Coach Prime, I was in Boulder the other day. I imagine I'll be up there plenty more over the coming weeks and months. So, yeah, at BK Denver Sports is the easiest way to track me down. Perfect. Thanks so much, Brandon. It's uh, DeHuff on Censor. Thank you guys so much for joining the podcast. Really appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, real quick, hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much to uh, Blake Street Tavern, Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, and, of course, Superbook Sports Colorado. Shout out to my guy Mike Rigg at Superbook Sports. Oh. Fellow Jayhawk. Really? Yeah, Mike's running the show over there. Doing a good job. Awesome. All right, it's DeHuff on Censored. Let's keep moving forward. I'll talk to you next time.